Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Here we are in week two and of hot mess as we continue this sermon series. And last week we defined what a hot mess is. Uh, but maybe that, that phrase or that brand seems a little strange and you're not familiar with it. Essentially, that phrase is popular in our culture today to describe chaos, things out of control, a person out of control, yourself out of control, or life completely chaotic. So in this series, we're talking about parts of your life, my life, that seem to fall perfectly into that category called hot mess. Last week, we spent time really looking into our families. Now, that's got to be one of the most personal places of our life, if you know what I'm talking about. And if your family is perfect and you have no problems, then I understand you probably don't need to be at this church. The rest of us, we want it. Amen? I don't know if I've, ever, I've always said this, that there's an invisible sign above the double doors that says, perfect people not allowed. So, why? Because we all go through it. We all can relate. It's not culture. It's not age. It's just family. It's a hot mess at times. So, the truth is, when we talk about schedule, that there's just no fancy way or there's no quick way to deal with a schedule that is just too full. There's only 24 hours in a day, and when I put 36 hours worth of work in 24 hours, it's not going to work. I want to give you a visual on this. And so here's my plate. My plate represents my 24 hours of what I'm capable of doing. Now, there are times in life where I can't help it. My life is out of balance, and it's not because I didn't manage well. It's because life just hit me when I wasn't looking for it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I wasn't planning on flying down to, to Anaheim to, uh, this afternoon, but my dad's on hospice now, and there are things that i got to address, so i got to go for a few days. But at the end of the week, now it's going to be harvest party. Do you think that maybe this sermon is more about me than you? I think so, and I'm going to go with that. So when you look at your life, there's only so much you can put on this plate. And after that, it just begins to fall off. So here it is. Here's my plate. I'm just going to fill it up. I'm doing pretty good so far. I'm doing good. Woo! Oh, no. But, you know, that's just not how life works. That was just till noon. Now I got the rest of the day. What happens? I got a hot mess here. There's just way too much. And you know what happens? If you're just a yes person, the more you say yes, the more something else is going to fall off that you thought was a priority as well. You know who hurts the most 
when I overdo and undermanage my schedule, the people I love the most. And the same for you. When we don't manage it correctly, it just doesn't all fit. You guys see what I'm saying? See, the reason we're talking about schedule today, and I'm just going to reemphasize this, is that when my schedule is not right, the repercussions hit those I love the most. It hits my kids, hits my wife, my extended family, my friends, the people I love at church. It affects the closest that are that you love. So what if today's message, and we figured, oh, time management, I really don't need that, Pastor. Well, what if last week's message when we talked about family in many ways goes hand in hand with the message I'm sharing today? Because in many ways, and it, it really does, some of the offenses that you inflict in life or have been inflicted on you are because somebody couldn't be there. You felt abandoned. Somebody wasn't there for you. All because of what? The schedule. The calendar. Didn't show up for the game. So let's... Let's pray and say, Jesus, will you help me to hear what you want me to hear today? Lord, we're going into a subject that sometimes it may take us a real long time to catch how important it is. And Lord, it's not right to just wait till we get older, then we automatically slow down. Lord, we're not talking about just how many things we can do in a day, but Lord, how can we see our heart be calm, really calm and orderly throughout the day. That we're really leaning on you. Help us to be open to hear in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. See, last week we covered a whole bunch of the book of Genesis, where we looked at really the family system, the patriarchs. We looked at Abraham, and we looked at and his wife Sarah, and Isaac, and Rachel, and Jacob, and Joseph. And we kind of went through this whole thing, a big, long, well, you would say a summary, a survey of all, all of those involved in that. But we didn't cover everything. And today, I want us to be go at the very beginning of the book of Genesis, towards the book, uh, towards the beginning, uh, chapter 2. Because I think this is going to lay down the uh, foundation of what we really need to see, what God wants us to see about our schedule, about our time. So the first step we can take towards reevaluating our time, which is another way of saying reevaluating our life, is our scheduling and how to make sure we're healthy. Well, quite simply, we must consider the Sabbath, the rest, as holy. We must honor the Sabbath. We must embrace having a Sabbath day rest. Not just a pause or a break. 
There's something dramatically different when we talk Sabbath. So let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he, say it with me, rested from all his work of creation. Wait a minute. Was he tired? I mean, if he's God Almighty, really? You only have the endurance for six days? That's all you got in your tank? Or is there something different? See, God was giving you and I an example. He was modeling what you and I need because we're not God's. We need to rest after six days. We need to have a Sabbath rest. That's different. It's not just rest for our bodies. It's rest for our spirit, for our soul. It's to get charged up. It's to get sharp. So he rested. So the creator of the entire cosmos shows up, looks like he's taking a break, but that day he looked very different than all the other days. And that's why he wanted us to know your Sabbath needs to look different. That's why church is so important. Now I'm preaching in the choir. You're all here. That's why it's important to, to say, I'm not just going to show up once in a while. I'm going to show up. You know, I, I share this with, with my kids a lot. Why it's so important. Because what I'm doing today in my spirit, and being in the word and going to church regular and being in fellowship and worshiping the king. It's not for today. It's for what's coming down the road three months, six months, 12 months from now. This is that long-term investment. What I'm doing today is what I'm going to need for the many tomorrows that I have no idea that I need. I'm building up that spiritual reservoir. And part of it is me being in fellowship. Hey, Bob. How are you, Roberta? Look at this. Hey, LaDawn. And the more, before you know it, you're getting filled. Because of what? Fellowship. There's something dynamic that's taking place. When we don't make time for a true Sabbath rest, then you can get eight hours sleep, 10 hours of sleep, 12, 16 hours of sleep, and when you wake up, you are completely exhausted. It's not about a break for your body. Have you ever noticed that? You got extra sleep and you're going, well, I shouldn't have done that. I'm more tired now than before. It's not that. Maybe what God is really going, hey, Marv, Marvin. Where's your Sabbath? You need a Sabbath. Not just sleep. It's different. It's when I go to church. It's when I worship. It's when I'm, throughout the day, I'm thinking about Him. It's that I allow 
my spirit to be sharpened. I make it not look like the other six days of the week. I make it special. I make it about visiting my king and him visiting me and my family. So let's look at at Psalm chapter 5. See, we must choose God over other things. Choose God over even our time. Over, our, over all the things that we feel are so important. And as we invest our time into Him, well, He takes care of all the rest. He'll make, man, that's a five-hour job. And all of a sudden, God gets it done. He shows you how to do it, and you get it done in two. You're like, what was that all about? I mean, I'm smart, but I'm not that smart. You're selling to yourself. Because you're not. That was the Lord giving you and whispering you an idea. And before you know it, it comes together so much faster. So here it is in Psalm chapter 5, and it reads, Give ear to my words, the psalmist says, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Are you hearing Sabbath now? This is Sabbath. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my God, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice shall you hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. You see, one of the keys is making God the center of your life means the center of your time. I'm kind of sitting on that for a moment. Is God the center of your time? Or see the after, well, if I have some time on Sunday and I wake up good enough and early enough, I'll, I'll think I might go ahead and do it. That's if I don't have any laundry or I have to go get some groceries. You see what I'm saying? Can we all be honest here? Come on, don't, don't look at me all strange. Yeah. The psalmist had it figured out. And he was doing it every day. So should we. When you begin to spend time with the Lord like that, what begins to happen is things begin to change in you. And the Lord begins to fill you up. And so, when all of a sudden a friend comes your way, and they need some help, they need some wisdom, they need some discernment. And because you've been spending time with the king. You're able to just go, yeah, I can help you out. Let me see if I can pour into your life. I got some. Hey, oh, let me help you out. I got a little bit. And how about you? And before you know it, it's all gone. But if you're not spending any more time with the king, And somebody comes to you in a moment of crisis. And they need you. And you love them. And you care about them. And you've known them for ages. And you go to open it up and... There's nothing in your tank. It doesn't work. You don't get it from just church. You get it because you spent Monday through Saturday... In his presence. 
And then he fills you. And when you put something in somebody else and they spend time with Jesus, they're able to give it to somebody else. From generation to generation to generation. I'm not here just to tell you you need to pray more, you need to read your Bible more. But go ahead, we need to. But the truth is, is just getting spiritually fat isn't the answer. Just because I read the Word doesn't mean I spent any time with Jesus. I can read the newspaper for an hour. doesn't mean I'm getting anything out of it. It's not until I open up my heart and my soul and I say, Lord, what do you want me to hear? What's important to you for me to see, for me to be aware of? Who am I supposed to pray for today? You see that difference? Scholars believe that Jesus was on the earth about 33 years. Some say 33 and a half, depending on the birthday deal. Prior to his death and his resurrection. And from the Bible, there's a, a segment of what we call the silent years. You know, there's a period of time that he's silent from when he was born uh, to when he was 12. And then it's silent from that episode all the way up until Jesus' 30th. So there's a lot of silence. But this one part, when he was 12, I think it's important for us to see. Why don't you go with me as we look into Luke chapter 2. We'll start at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. It was regular. They did it annually. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth because they would all go like a big caravan. It's like a big carpool. And finally, when they got to the first gas station, well, you know, the water hole, and as they stopped, mom and dad started looking around to see if they can find their little bambino. Where's Jesus? Mom thought dad had him. Dad thought mom had him. Well, after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. Why? They had done this trip many times. Jesus has been there the whole time. He knows what the routine is. Because they assumed he was among the other travelers, but when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among the relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, how many are freaking out now if you're a parent? Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. I believe there's a little foreshadow here. They couldn't find Jesus for three days. But he'd show up. Three days later, he finally discovered, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him, meaning Jesus, were amazed at his understanding and his answers. He's 12. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, you can only imagine how a mom would say son. 
his mother said to him, Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Now this is what I want you to catch. But why did you need to search? He's not being challenging. Why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must, must be in my father's house? Did you catch that statement? Jesus had to be in his father's house. This was automatic for him. This was common. This should have been the first place they went to look for Jesus. See, friends, this is truly the key. This was foundational to having peace and order in your life. It's to be where the father is. Where the family of God lives. Time with God was first. It was foremost. It was natural. Maybe the next action step you need to take in your today is this very, very simple. Yet for some, it can be very hard. And that is to submit your time. Submit your schedule. Submit your life to the Lord. It's not easy. Actually, it's incredibly difficult to do. There are deadlines we've got to meet. There's responsibilities and obligations we all have. There's a family to care for. There are things that come up at the last minute that you have no control of. And it needs to be addressed. So may I suggest, even... If you're retired, even if you're young, before you grab the pen to make your to-do list, before you dare to look at the calendar, before you dare to look at one email, before you dare to get busy with your phone, to see what's going on with social media, before anything, that you consider to submit your life, your time to Jesus first before you start the day. It could be something as simple as just, Lord, I give it to you. Lord, it's you first. Simple. It just redirects my heart, my thoughts. Jesus. To be honest, this is a giant step of faith. But it is necessary if you want to get your chaotic schedule under control. If you want to feel all this disorder and craziness inside of you to be calm, it always starts with Him. Do you know Jesus isn't chaotic? You know God's not freaking out? He doesn't ever have a hot mess in any area of his life. So that's a good place to start, isn't it? This is a big way to see your hot mess in your schedule, to see it truly begin to change, is to say, I trust God first. Jesus said, now it's not in your notes um, but in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, it's not on, on the proclaim. 
Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, in Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of the earth. Uh, survey says, eh. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's right. I don't know about you, but I've struggled with that. Why? The pressures of those who I love, the needs that are over here and the requirements that are over there and the deadline that is over here. And before you know it, I'm up and I'm busy. You know what else keeps you from wanting to go with God? You're angry at Him. God, you let me down over here. And I don't understand why when I was little or whatever it might be or because of the divorce, or because of my wayward child. And you're angry with God, so you don't say anything. You just get all stoic, and you just get up and start your day. Brush your teeth and get your coffee. But seek ye first. But I can't if my heart's got unforgiveness. I can't if I'm angry. You see why God says, don't go to bed while you and your wife are fighting or your husband. Why? Because you wake up mad not only at them, but at the Lord. And you can't start off with seek ye first. And then you wonder why there's a hot mess. Maybe last week's sermon, this week's sermon actually do connect. When you make the Lord your very first priority, and you get over all of your issues, Marvin, your issues. And you make him the first priority. Especially in your time. Things will begin to shift. People will notice it. They will look at you and say, something is different about you. I... What is it about you? And I want two of them. They're going to look at you and go, you know what? You got the master's eyes. You, you got your father's. Something special about you. How come you smile all the time? How come you're so happy? I know all that's going on. How come you're grinning right now? Because I seek first the king. And it changes me. It shifts me. And because of that, I get to reframe what I'm looking at in life. I don't frame it with ugliness and the tempest and the storms and God hates me and God's not real and I just make up all these ugly things. Instead, I frame it and say, this is preparatory. God's doing something in me so he can do something through me. And this is just another opportunity for God to do a miracle. I can't do it on my own, but I know He can. I trust Him. Because I'm spending time with Him. As, we, as we're getting ready to close, I want to share this. Uh, there's a story about, uh, there was this lumberjack crew, and they were cutting down trees back in the 1800s. And uh, there was this older guy, and... Uh, 
Man, he just had, you know, the, the raggedy old clothes. I mean, the old ripped up, torn up flannels and his jeans were all weathered and the boots were all weathered up. And, but man, when you looked at that, his axe, it was, it was pretty clean and pretty shiny. Well, there's this young buck and he was needing money. So he just went up to the, to the old guy and just said, hey, What's this that you're like the king of the forest and everybody talks about you? He says, I challenge you. I want to take you on. And the old man goes, son, sit down. He wouldn't stop. And the other guy said, you better leave him alone, man. He goes, no, you're so big and bad and we got to be on the clock. We got to all work for an hour. Here's the bet. I'll take my paycheck for your paycheck, whoever wins, whoever cuts up the most trees in an hour. And everybody went, oh, no, he didn't do that. Oh, he went there. And the old man just looking down, says, son, I don't want to take your money. That has made him mad. So it was on. And that young buck, and his big muscles, ugly teeth, he took his axe, and he starts whooping on these trees, and he's cutting them down. And here's the old timer, slow and steady, big chunks, slow and steady. And before long, about 10, 15 minutes in, he sits down. Sits down and puts his back to his opponent. The opponent can't see what he's doing. All he sees is something going like this. Next thing you know, he comes right back. Bam. And he's falling trees left and right. And, the old, and that young buck, <gasps> he's huffing and puffing. About another 10, 15 minutes, the old timer, sipping a little coffee, his own back. Bam! And he's falling trees, falling trees, falling trees. And before you know it, he doubled what the young buck was doing. That young buck, he's hitting it even harder than he was before. You guys know what's going on. The old man knew how to sharpen an axe. The young buck was young and stupid. Do you have to be old to figure out you need a rest? You need to sharpen your spirit and your soul. You can't do it if you keep working. You have to stop doing what you were doing and do what nobody else is willing to do, and that is sharpen and pause and get it just right. And with little effort, the trees will come down. Twice as much as the others. I have no idea what specifically needs you have to change in your life to see your hot mess fade away. I don't know what you're going through immediately in your life. And I don't know how long you'll have to do the different changes. And seeing as how you and I are different, I would not expect that you need to do exactly what I need to do. Because God loves you. 
But here's what's very, same, very similar, very same, and that is the Word of God. I hope you can see that the principles that we glean from the Scriptures are the same for all of us. Your Sabbath may not look like my Sabbath, but you need a Sabbath. Your fellowship may not look like my fellowship, but you need fellowship. Your worship may not look like my worship, but you need worship. Your daily devotions with Christ may not look like mine, but you need to have them. That's why we teach how to do soap. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Do you see that time with God is essential for there to be order and a calmness in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart, and in your mind? Remember, if rest was important for God to model for us, then it's important for you and I as well. The Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Well, Lord, I pray for your people. I pray, Lord, you would help us to see and understand how, how great you are, how caring and loving you are. Lord, you're not trying to pick on us. God, you're just trying to guide us that we can have all that you want for us and even more if we do it the way you designed us to be. Bless your people. Help us to look at the person in the mirror and say, what do I need to change? Is my Sabbath real? Or am I avoiding God? Am I avoiding the body of Christ? Am I just going through the motions of my devotions? Or am I actually hearing and waiting to hear a whisper from God? Lord, breathe on us. Breathe on your people. Breathe life into us and help us to look at time as something holy, not something to be taken advantage of. Help us to honor you as we honor the Sabbath and you'll make all those things fit that need to be just on one plate and not on ten plates. God bless your people. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.